The deeper Christian life is no deeper than that of the clear teaching of God's Word. It is not a mystery withheld from anyone, but made known to all who will listen and obey. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. May Christ lead you deeper into Himself today as together we explore God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. In a little book of essays by the great Christian author A.W. Tozer, I found this article on the rules of self-discovery. They are so very helpful that I put them in a message and am glad to offer them to you. To go forward in any relationship requires a certain self-knowledge and with it a certain transparency. Relationships with others and relationship with God are good reasons to know yourself better. The first question to ask in discovering who you really are is to ask yourself, what do I want most? Be honest and go at this slowly and don't rush into it. This is the thing. You might say right off the top of your head, oh, I know what it is. Go at this slowly. Don't be hasty in your answer. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. This doesn't mean that if you make God your chief delight, He will give you whatever you want. It means that when you make God your chief delight, He will give you your wants. He'll put in your heart all the right desires. And by the way, if you're not getting in life what you want, it's very likely you're not getting your wants from God. You go to Him. You delight in Him. You let God begin to put desires in you that are His desires, that are shaping you, molding you as a preparation for all the great things He wants to put upon your life and do through your life. You delight yourself in Him. Basically, we would put it this way. That all of your life, everything that's central to how you live your life, springs from the central spring of your desires. What gathers around your life, where your life flows, what you do, to some extent, is driven by what you desire. Now, I want to encourage you to have big desires, to have big longings, and to to have a, a great, avaricious appetite. But what you have an appetite for, and what you long for, and what you desire are expressive of very much what you are. They're expression of what's in your heart and what your soul is and what your delight is. And so you identify what your great desire in life is and then you ask yourself if it was put there because your delight is in Him. You ask if that's something that God put in your life and if it isn't, you better ask yourself what should be the great desire of your life. Here's the second one. Not only what I want most, but the second one is, ask yourself, what do you think about the most? What do you think about the most? Life places all kinds of demands on our minds. There's any number of concerns that we have to address with our duties in life. You know, we have to provide for our children, our parents, our spouses. We've got to satisfy our bosses. We have homes to take care of. We have occupations to oversee. And all these things, in a sense, constrain us in the way we think. But there are times when we have voluntary moments when our mind is unfettered by these demands, and when our mind is set free from these demands, answers to questions that we have to answer, what we have to ask ourselves is, in those moments, where does your mind go to? What do you think about? What does your mind toil about? And what are the issues that you want to address and think about and gaze upon and meditate upon? Proverbs 23.7. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. That is the old King James translation, which I like, particularly for this point. Your mind goes 
at times to those places when no pressure is upon it, and where your mind goes when there's no pressure upon it, one way or another, tells you much about yourself. The thing that you think about, the thing that you mull over, what you consider on a regular basis expresses what you think is important. It may be thinking about possessions. It may be thinking about money. It may be thinking about advances or comforts or a place you want to find to lie down in. It may be about people and concerned about what people think about you or just that. This time when you have an idle moment and you have idle thoughts oftentimes reveals what are the idols of your heart. What are the things that you bow before and what are the things that you worship in your thinking? So where your mind goes, when your mind is free, says a lot about yourself. So there's another question in self-discovery. What do I think about most? Here's a third one. To know yourself better, ask yourself, how do you use your money? How do you use your money? I know we have to pay taxes. We have to pay the sewer bill. We have to put food on the table. We have to keep a roof over our heads. We have to take care of those that God has placed under our stewardship and we have to take, you know, we have to take care of our children and maybe some of you have to respond to take care of your parents or an employer has to take care of his employees. But once these responsibilities have been met, at some point in time you meet them. Where or in what way do you lay up your money? What do you do with it? Jesus actually spoke about this quite regularly. It's one of the things that I'm probably guilty of more than anything else. If there's one area where there's a hole in the messages that I address to our congregation, it's on money. I don't talk about it very often. I've kind of asked the Lord to drive that home to people all by himself. But the reality is that Jesus spoke about it often. Often. In Luke chapter 12, when he speaks about putting your treasure in heaven for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Putting your treasures in that place where moth doesn't destroy or where a thief can't come in and take it. He's talking about, folks, he's talking about money. Just prior to that, he shares the parable of the man who looks over his life and says, you know, my warehouses aren't big enough, my storehouses aren't big enough, I'm going to tear them down and I'm going to make new storehouses to put all of my possessions in. And then he says, okay, soul, now eat and drink and be happy. You've got everything laid up for life. And Jesus says of that man, you fool! This very night your life is going to be required of you and then who is going to enjoy all these things that you've stored up? So is the man who's not rich towards God, he says. He's talking about money. And the obvious question that's being asked and the points that he's making is, what are you doing with your extra coins? What are you doing with the discretionary blessings that God has given you? Once you've relieved of your responsibilities, how you use your money tells much about where your heart goes. It's another point in the process of self-discovery. Here's the fourth one. What do you do in your leisure time? What do you do in your leisure time? Tozer writes that what I do with my leisure time reveals what kind of man I am. Again, like our money, our time has demands upon it throughout the day. and We're not set free all the time. We have things that are called upon us and duties that we have to answer. But when you're set free from the stall and you get released from those obligations, what you do with that time says much about where your heart is and what you long for and what your priorities are. Many individuals take this free time and they burn it away in unedifying forms of amusement that only touch their souls with things that bring stains 
and things that draw life out of them instead of things that put life into them. They spend time bringing into their minds and their eyes and their ears and all the ways of gaining information, those things that actually harden their conscience from the call of God instead of aiding in the health and softness that they need to be sensing God's approach and to be hearing God's call upon their life. So the question is, is the use of your free time bringing God fuller into view in your life? Or is it something that actually drowns out presence and the approach of God to you? The Bible refers to the need to listen to the still, small voice behind us. The question is, can you hear the still, small voice? How are you entertaining yourself and with what are you using your leisure time? What is it you're bringing your life? Is it cultivating a greater awareness of him or is it swamping out his voice so that you can't hear him exposing in your life the places where you need him and expressing to you his deep interest in you and revealing to you that he's available in that very moment to be exalted and to guide you and direct you. In our days, and this is more complicated than when Tozer wrote his book by a long shot because our days are filled with all kinds of activity and through our days we move from phone calls to car drives to computer screens to stove tops to family couches and television screens and we move from one, we transition from one place to the next place to the next place and what I notice is the habit we're into is that when we get into that place one of the first things we do is we turn on or we turn up those things that are distractions our entertainments that somehow can play audio or visual engagements of our mind in the background. We're always moving from one point. If a person sits down and he has a few seconds, nowadays they're all, they all grab their phone and flip it up, right? And they're immediately beginning to scroll through their phone and looking for information. And We just move from one point of mental stimulation to the next point of mental stimulation, even as we transition from place to place in our life. I'm intending to ask these questions and not give answers about what they reveal about yourself. I want the Spirit to take you there and to speak to you in these things as you engage in this kind of discipline, but let me just make a suggestion anyway, and it's this, that when you move from place to place and when you move from moment to moment and you move from encounter to encounter, when you move from the kitchen to the family room after a meal, when you, when you move from filling... Uh, one duty to the next, when you move in from the car and the carport into the house, these transition points oftentimes are opportunities to pause for a moment and in that empty space, find God's presence. Invite Him into it. Cultivate an awareness of Him. Find out what He wants to say and how He wants to lead and how He wants to guide you. Instead of filling the empty moments with the brief moments of leisure and distraction, Find God first in every place, in every moment, and listen to him as he calls you to come and be with him there in that place, in that moment. Number five, whose company do you enjoy? Tozer writes, where we go when we're free to go where we will is a near infallible index of our character. Kind of started on the playground, by the way. Kids are usually drawn by some form of moral attraction to those that are interested in the same things they're interested in. The kid who has the same kind of standards or uh, value system. It just happens all the time. I remember being a youth pastor and we would go and do a youth group meeting with two other youth groups. And we had a, a couple kids that, you know, were kids who were just, you know, in trouble a lot and had a, a special, deep, expressive, rebellious nature, at least at that time in their life. 
and they would find these new kids in the other youth groups, and before long, it would take them a few minutes, they'd be with them, and then you'd go and talk to the other youth leaders, and they were the same, they were the kids with the exact same issues, and it's not like they were dressed a certain way. Nowadays, we've got to dress for it. We can advertise it. In those days, everybody wore the same T-shirt and the same jeans, and there was, but they found one another. It just happens that way. So who do you seek out and settle with for company? Those that you seek out and you settle with oftentimes will have a lot to say about your own moral character and what you value spiritually. Keep in mind what Psalm 1, 1 and 2 says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the path of sinners nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law he meditates day and night. It's a good question. Whose company do I seek out and enjoy? Here's a sixth one. It's along these same lines. It's this. Whom and what do you admire? Whom and what do you admire? Let's just stick with whom do you admire. We can be critical of politicians who are pandering to people to gain their hearts. But that's been going on for a long, 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 long time. It's just a reflection not only of the lack of scruples in the politician, but a lack of good judgment in the people that they pander to. And so when a great number of people in a nation can't see past the false pomp that someone presents or past the false indignancy of played up injustices or past the false flattery that they give to them, then it's not only the politician who's false, it's the people as well. This has been the Bread of Life, a listener-supported program brought forward by the International Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and the Mission Church Fellowship in Boise, Bread of Life. We value your participation in this ministry and your contributions that make it possible. To learn more, go to breadoflifeboise.org. For now, may God bless you.